Hey everybody, welcome to an online edition of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. We were going to do this live, uh, but uh, you know, social distancing and all, so we thought we would do this online. <laughs> I hear Greg there. Hey Greg, how are you? <laughs> Hey, you got to laugh because otherwise, you know, we're, yeah, it's a, it's a terrible situation, obviously. Yeah. I mean, Um, on the positive side, I mean, I've always wanted to go to Burning Man, but now I don't have to leave home to to go. That's right. That's right. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so this is a special edition, I suppose, because we're going to, we're going to wade where we really probably shouldn't wade in, but I think we have to wade in a little bit, at least talk about the impact on the industry. But this is the pandemic edition of Industry Relations. <laughs> this is this is so up your alley too, man. It's oh like my God. The world is ending and I've got Rob Hahn here, yeah, man. And, and, and honestly, if we're, if we're joking be- around, yeah. And honestly, if we're joking around more than usual, I think it's because that's how we deal with uh, with fear, you know, humor. Yes, the funnies uh, keep the boogeyman away, as, as I like to say. So, where and should we start? Should, should we, we yeah. should, well, I think we should start with a disclaimer. Um, Absolutely, I'm not a scientist. Are you? No, no, yeah. no. Okay. And I, I know jack shit about you know infectious diseases. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm following the CDC and you know, the experts. As like anybody else, all I can say is that you know I, I don't follow the advice of Facebook experts who overnight you know has become like super expert on how to prevent the spread of of this thing because you know I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I remember seeing a cartoon. It's like, hey, honey, all my friends that were constitutional experts are now you know uh, virus experts. Can That's you believe right. it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we are not those people. Uh, we don't know jack shit, and uh, and that's that. But yep. as I put in a, an article uh, recently, you know, I do know a little bit more about human nature and psychology. And again, I'm not a psychologist. It's just by virtue of having lived this long, you know, yeah, I feel like I know a little bit more. So I think we're probably going to talk about that sort of thing. Absolutely. So you want to, why don't you get us started? Where do you think, how does this affect housing? And and, and I think yeah. to me, I would frame this just, this has been going on and, and has been a story, but we're recording this on the morning of March 12th. And this right. is the morning after um, the president, uh, Mr. Donald Trump had given his kind of uh, speech from the Oval Office, yep. right? Um so just so our listeners can have a frame of reference of when we're when we're recording this. Right. And and I you know I don't know how many people actually watch that because who watches that stuff unless you're in politics. But I think what's having a bigger impact is the fact like the NBA canceled that season. Right? <laughs> you know. Well the NBA uh, uh Tom Hanks and his that's his right. wife. That's right. They um, have they have thing, the yeah. virus. You know, so quite honestly I think that's going to take things to probably the next step of panic. You know, I got a phone call this morning about an event I'm supposed to go to next week, and they might look at canceling it because, you know, whether – and some of this, I think, is social pressure as well. Some of it is legal. Like right now, I think Seattle and California have banned all gatherings of more than 250 people. Right. Uh, I don't know why 250 is the magic number because I'm not an infectious disease expert, but they must know something, right? You know, so we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see how this plays out, but – you know, what was it like last week or two weeks ago? I remember going to Costco and seeing that the bread aisle was empty. There's no water. 
and thinking people, but still everyone's walking around kind of normal, you know? And I remember thinking, okay, no one's panicking yet, but panic is lurking just beneath the surface. I think after yesterday, we might see that kind of step up to another level. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think last night was for sure a touch point. Yeah. And we'll see what happens in another week, another month, another day, who the hell knows, right? And I don't, I don't know what that next shooter drop, you know, could be. And I suspect that it's going to take a little bit of time before we scale this back, before people kind of start to get a handle on on the actual, you know, actual problem. Because that's one of the things, right? I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm not a scientist, right? You're, neither are you. None of us are. Or if you are a scientist and you're listening to this and you work for the CDC, then please, uh, you know, drop us a, a line you know, and let us know what you know. But I think that's very unlikely. So that being the case, I think one of the issues is that nobody actually knows. Yeah, no, totally. I, I don't I think mean, anybody knows. I mean, we don't know, but I mean, where do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on how this is going to affect housing? I think it's probably going to hurt it, you know, in the short term. And I think in the long term, we're going to see some real interesting shakeout, right? It's going to hurt in the short term because for two reasons. And again, this is, I've, I've had a time, I've had a chance to sort of think about it a little bit. And I put up a post about it yesterday, last night. So well, I think obviously one way it's going to hurt is, you know, a lot of folks are just going to be self-quarantining, you know, whether they're sick or not. You know, this, uh, I think they're calling it social distancing, but it basically comes down to stay home, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, if you're in the market and you're thinking about, I'm going to go look at eight houses, you know, a bunch of, some number of people are going to go, you know what, uh, it's not worth it. You know, let's wait and see, you know, how, how this plays out. So I think that's that's clearly going to be one thing. The other thing, though, I think is, and nobody knows yet, but my suspicion is that a lot of first-time homebuyers were already kind of stretching themselves, you know, given the sort of housing unaffordability that we have going on anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And if all of a sudden they have to think about, you know, I have all these expenses that I didn't count on, like I had to go buy 30 loaves of bread, right? <laughs> you know, I had to go buy you know, a bunch of water and masks and whatever I didn't really budget for, you know, and just general fear, right? Just general, you know, I'm not really ready if I have to stay home for three weeks, right? Or for that matter, you have sort of the the negative economic impact from this. Uh, Like I'm in Las Vegas. I'm expecting our local economy here to take a nosedive for a little bit because who the hell's coming to Vegas to, to hang out and gamble and party when this thing's going around, right? So what does that mean? So if, I, if I'm a blackjack dealer, like, am I sure that I'm going to have a job? So I suspect that a lot of the first-time home buyers might retreat from the market for a little bit. So I think in the short term, we're, we're likely to see some pain. Now, having said that, the interesting thing is, you know, you're, you're, I'm still seeing, it's not evidence, but there's anecdotes that are, you know, real estate agents and brokers, you know, that we both know, and they're posting like, you know, showing activity hasn't slowed. So I don't know. You know, uh, NAR. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I would say, you know, let me just take a, a counter to what you're saying just to kind yeah. of keep the thing going here. Like, I could say that, the, you know, first of all, you know, the interest rates are, you know, the lowest it's anybody's seen in 50 years, right? Yes. I mean, I just, re, I'm just refining to a 15 year. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's stupid, crazy yeah. right now is yeah. how low they are, right? So that's got to like, you know, stir some activity. I'm seeing, yeah. I know from, you know, we have a product that we, you know, did listing alerts. I, I'm seeing a little bit more activity on those, like some houses being put on the market. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything in, other than just that kind of uh, 
yeah. uh, observation. Um, yeah. But I seem to think like what you talked about in the beginning, like, you know, who wants to go look at homes? This might be a big thing for iBuyers, right? I don't want pe- I don't want to show my house. I don't even want to meet a realtor and yeah, shake their yeah. hand. Yeah. Let me just go. Let me just go and, and, and get an offer and sell this, this bad boy. It's this, possible. This might be an event that, that could help those types of models go, you know, go through, right? So it's possible. Um, it's possible. I mean, and it could help like the Redfin unguided, you know, like smart lock, right? Just yeah. like self-guided tour kind of deal. That, sure, you know, yeah. that could I mean, happen. Maybe realtors don't want to open – if, if a traditional way of, of doing an open house nobody wants to do, yeah. well, the uh, the open door way of doing it where they just kind of check in and go look at themselves yeah. looks a lot more appealing also, right? So right. there might be people – you know, in any sort of crisis, there's always opportunity as well. And yeah. and I think some of these these models may be able to kind of take advantage of those types of things, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so that's one of the, one of my thoughts on this. Though is this, like I said, I think the retreat is, you know, to me, it's going to be first time home buyers. In other specific, I'm thinking about, you know, that, you know, maybe thirty uh, something, right? Uh, they just got a family, and they're like, we need to buy a house, and they're sitting around going, like, boy, these homes are just really unaffordable. So they're scrimping and scraping every penny together, and they're thinking like, we need to liquidate our four hundred one ks. You know, like, you know, those people. Yeah, I don't know. They, they I don't know if like, anybody's liquidating their if they're liquidating their four hundred one k right now. That's a a pretty bad move. <laughs> no, I know, but like, hey, man, like I I remember taking out a bunch of you know when I was my first time purchase. You know, I I had to come up with a down payment. You know, well, no, but in this yeah. market, the way that oh yeah, no, absolutely, dive, yeah, absolutely, right. No but that's my point. My point is, I think if you have to stretch, if you're a first time home buyer, you really have to stretch. You might be thinking twice, right? Just because of financial uncertainty and economic uncertainty. I think the people, though, who aren't in that position, right, are going to find amazing opportunities. You know, and as what's interesting is like Sonny and I are in the market right now. We're looking to buy a house. We might be like, we're just going to chill out. We're going to see what happens in 30 days. Yeah, I can see 30 days. But I mean, the, the way that the interest rates are now and and you got to You got to see some people are going to be spooked and yep. there might be more on the market, too. But, yep. you know, it's like they say, it's like the best time to buy real estate is when there's blood on the streets. And yeah. You know, it's not maybe it's, it's not on the streets now, but it's you know, I see something there, coming yeah, up, coming down yeah. the bend here for sure. There, there is fear that something you know that that yeah. will be on the street. You know, so yeah, I mean, uh, the way I look at it at this point, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about kind of our personal you know approaches maybe towards the end of this program, but you know, I do think that it's not all going to be terrible and we're all doomed. You know, uh, and in any of these situations, I always like to say. You know, if we end up with some sort of event where it really is like a total black swan, like out of nowhere, you know, a zombie apocalypse type situation, none of us going to give a crap about, you know, housing prices or, you know, what the real estate industry or iBuyer models because we'll all be, def- be too busy defending our supply of water and medication from, you know, marauding hordes of barbarians, right? So, you know, I was, <laughs> we're, we're talking about like some disruption, but you know, it's like civilization will still be around, you know, power will still be on, right? you know, like that kind of stuff, right? So let's keep that in mind. In that context, I like I said, to me, I see a little bit more of a pullback on kind of the, the lower end first time home buyer, you know, more moderate, you know, housing stock, but the more elite, you know, more established, you know, have a little bit of cash, you're not living paycheck to paycheck. I think those people are going to find amazing opportunities, incredibly low rates, and I think they're going to take advantage. Yeah. So we might see investors actually pick up a whole bunch of properties, 
Right. No, but, no, I know. got they, a lot of those people got to be just licking their chops for sure, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, let's just talk about organized real estate as a yeah. whole, right? Yeah. So you've got the the associations, you've got the vendor community, yep. the MLSs, right? Uh, you know, na- and then you have like the associations got the national, state, and local. You know, there's already, you know, we we've I've seen a lot of events that have been, you know, you were just talking to me before about how mm-hmm. you were going to go speak somewhere and that was canceled. We've right. had a few events that have canceled, right? So yeah. So we're already seeing that thing, and like yeah. on one one side of me is like I you go to these things hoping to generate business, right? So that's a, not a good thing. But the other side of me is like, there's so many damn events in this, in this industry. It almost needs an enema like this, right? So like just <laughs> clean it out. Yeah. And then if, if we come to the other side and like, oh, maybe we don't need as many, right? Um, yeah. To do that, right? But um, what, I, what I do feel for is that there is nothing these conference organizers can do. Nope. Right. Nope. And, and it's just out of their control. You know, a few speakers don't want to show up. The agents don't want to show up. And all of a sudden it's, it's beyond, or the state says you can't assemble more than 250 people. Yep. And the time and energy and, and, and capital that has spent to go put those in things. And, and then, yep. then, then it's just a trickle effect with, you know, the bartender at the lobby bar, the, the waitress, right. the, right. the bellman, right. the, you know, the Uber driver, the blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just the domino effect is kind of for real. And that goes to me, which is the bigger thing on all of this is like, you know, I'm not a scientist, so I can't tell you how bad the virus is going to be or how long it's going to last or how fast it's going to spread. But I do understand, you know, the domino effect that this could have. I remember working at Home Seekers. I just sold my first company to them and Mm-hmm. They were they did they, they were kind of the pioneers of selling agent websites. This is you know back in let's say two thousand one, right? And nine eleven hit, right? And you know just everybody had their you know radio on in those days, and you were listening to your desk or you know somebody had a TV there, and I had to go up to the guys you know that were in charge and like like nobody's buying websites this week. I don't even know if they're right. going to buy them next week. Right. And what that did was it was a catalyst for showing some flaws and cracks in the economy and the system. That's when like home store first revealed, Hey, we're not going to get, we're not going to make our numbers. Mm-hmm. And they blamed, you know, the, the, you know, 9/11, the nine yeah. eleven thing. Yeah. There's a possibility here and I don't want to go all Rob Hahn on you. Okay. But you know, <laughs> the, this kind of exposes a lot of companies out there that now are going to look for, and people are, they're opportunistic as hell, right? So if they can point and say, well, this is the reason why we missed this or that, I guarantee, even though we've had great economy, the lowest, you know, unemployment in years, you know, you got to know with this, the, you know, what I keep on hearing is the corporate debt situation. If there's one or two months of, uh, or three months of activity that doesn't just go right, it could crash the whole damn thing. And then I think on the smaller to micro companies that are all in this business, you know, some of the vendors out there that as an analogy might be living paycheck to paycheck, payroll to payroll, right? I mean, and what effect that might have on them of having two, three, four, five months, right? My biggest concern is this domino effect, right? For sure. And, and, And at the end of the day, it can cause you know, this whole thing of uh, either a wait and see. Yep. Right. And that just forces businesses to kind of 
put on pause. For sure. And some businesses can't handle that pause. They're, For sure. they're basically living, you know, especially the smaller micro ones in this business, they might be living paycheck to paycheck in a sense, right? Or, yeah, or there's invoice no doubt. to invoice, right? There's, so, there's no doubt. Um, yeah, and, and, yeah. And this was like my whole point, you know, yesterday, which when I wrote this thing and I, and yeah, I'm, I'm sort of convinced about it, which is, look, I mean, in a weird way, the panic induced economic fallout is going to be is going to have an effect very similar to kind of how what we know so far about this coronavirus thing is having on the population, right? Meaning, look, again, I don't know, you don't know, nobody really truly knows, but so far the evidence is that, you know, the folks who are dying from this disease are old, right? Or they have compromised health to begin with. So it's not it's not like there's a whole lot of like 23-year-old healthy young men who get this disease and then kill over dead. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. It's more like, you know, folks who are over 80. And I think the cutoff number I saw was like 70. You know, if you're 70 and older, then you're, you're, the lethality of this virus is way higher. And I'm like, yeah, well, if you're 70 and older, lethality of any virus is way higher. You know, right. like, like any old, like you could, it's, it's that whole TV commercial, I fall and I can't get up. Like that doesn't happen to 30-year-olds. That happens to people who are elderly because that's just how aging works, right? But- what that made me think about was, you know, for companies, whether it's in our industry or any other industry or wherever, you know, how financially healthy are they, right? Can they withstand sort of the, you know, the economic disruption that's going to come from this? Whether there's any basis for it or not, doesn't matter. You know, people are still going to do what they're going to do. And can they make it through, right? Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, man, I do have some real concerns, you know, so I talked about I posted, you know, some of the numbers from the public companies uh, yesterday, and it's like these guys have enough money where they could last for months with no income coming in. Like the smallest of them, EXP, you know, I know they just reported, so I have to look up their real numbers from Q4. But you know, they they could operate for like four months, you know, without making a single penny in in, in new income. I happen to know what what it looks like for some of the smaller brokerages, right? Or frankly, for some of the larger brokerages, they can't they can't withstand that. So that would be my main concern. And again, tech companies, you know, I know a little bit, but I don't know a lot. It really is a little bit like a black swan, you know, nine eleven type event, you know. Where, yeah, I mean, again, you know, just to go counter a bit, I mean, I I think on the real estate side, I mean, the equity side, it's it's a disaster, right? But mm-hmm. low interest rates, people maybe wanting to kind of. Um, you know, I, I get your point about first-time home buyers, and again, I could be Pollyanna, or I could be like just whistling across the graveyard. But I don't know if it's gonna, it's gonna impact real estate as much as it is, you know, other than like some dominoes fall, right? But um, that's the know, thing, if, right? If right. the financial kind of markets fail because of some, you know, whatever they, they were called CDOs before, right? Whatever the equivalent of the CDO is now that gets exposed during this, you know, this crisis. Then, yeah. I mean, all bets are off for sure. Right, right. right. Yeah. And look, I mean, all of us are hoping that it doesn't get to that point, right? But you could easily imagine a story, you know, you could easily imagine a scenario where it's like, you know, a bunch of people are laid off from travel, entertainment, hospitality industries. So, you know, and well, that that's just travel, hospitality. Like something we haven't really talked about is the fact that like a lot of our stuff comes from China. Right, so a lot of these companies that are manufacturing things, whether it's toys or whatever, I mean, I just read a stat today, um, and I remember hearing a TV program about it. 
like something like ninety seven percent of our antibiotics are made in China. You know, so yeah, God. if you're a pharmaceutical company, if you're a drugstore, uh, and you actually have no drugs to sell, like you know, I mean, what do you do? You know what I'm saying? So the economic impact of something like this could be pretty significant outside of just panic, outside of you know fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Now you add on fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and I could easily see the economy contracting. Right? I could easily see us slipping into recession because of this. And if that happens, then who the hell knows? You know, people are like, I can't pay my mortgage because I've just lost my job. Yeah, so there are no, there are it's all cyclical and this cycle has gone yeah. on longer than most, right? So yeah. I yeah. mean, I think we're due for like a, an adjustment in this and I that's the guys that I've been talking to that I've been phone calls is like they're more you know, the, the again, staying away from the health aspects, mm-hmm, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about that, but they're just saying that an event like this triggers and exposes the cracks. And the kind of flaws in, in the right. way we've been doing things. Right. And then this just then exasperates right. the decline, right? And right. then we're back in the, and then the cycle begins again, right? And how, right. how long this dip is going to be. But, you know, I, I think anybody's crazy thinking, okay, once once we contain the virus. Everything will be um, fine. Everything will no. be fine. I think the switches have been flipped, mm-hmm. right? The breakers have been clipped. I mean, so – you know, who knows what, you know, by oil going down that this, you know, this going down makes that go down, which makes this go down, which was yep. like counting on that valuation for this valuation. And all of a sudden, you know, there's no, there's no goddamn money left to, to borrow. Right. Well, I mean, the, that, yeah. that, that kind of domino yeah. thing. I mean, the only nice thing is as of yet, we haven't seen any threats to the entire global financial system, right? Which is what happened, you know, after uh, the bubble. Because the entire world's economy runs on American residential mortgage bonds. I mean, that's right. I hate to say, but that's kind of the truth. And so far, I mean, we're we're like I said, I feel like the panic is contained. You know, so far that could change today. That could change tomorrow. People, Um, to me, are more panicked today than they are yesterday. No doubt, because like I said, when the NBA cancels the season, you you know, most average Americans sit up who don't normally pay attention to news like this and go, "Holy crap, what the hell." Right. Yeah, no, I just, I got an alert saying that NHL just canceled also. Yeah, I mean, you know, and who, who, the college, like they're going to play March Madness with no fans. Yeah, I'm like, crazy. they might, after this, they might be like, we're just going to cancel the whole tournament. What right? about the Olympics? What about the Olympics? Yeah, I mean, so there's, so, you know, and I think as it, it sort of piles on, you know, it just has this like snowball effect. Right? So let me, let me ask you this question. I mean, I know you're, you know, somewhat a conservative, right? Um, <laughs> somewhat yeah right yeah and and that well maybe a lot and yeah. you know you were talking about how you know how exposed we are by having a lot of drugs made offshore you know if people can't afford to get care if they can't afford treatment for this yeah does that kind of like expose like maybe maybe it's not this medicare for all or you know yeah some healthcare thing we we get off the narrative of like this is because it's for freeloaders or it's for blah, blah, but it's really all about national security. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, cause I, I yeah. start seeing, I start seeing those types of conversation. It's like, well, I'm, you know, I can't afford to go to the doctor yeah, and therefore, but I got to go to work because I can't afford not to show up to work. Yeah. And then, you know, again, domino effect, right? Yeah. Um, has this opened your eyes a bit or has this changed any part of that kind of thinking for you? Uh, a little bit. I mean, for sure. And here's the thing, Greg, I don't think this is a 
political issue, actually. I was, you know, I had this exact conversation with a friend well, of mine. Not, I mean, health is for sure a political issue. No, you, let, let me explain what I mean by that. Absolutely is No, absolutely. But let, let me explain what I mean by that. So I had, a, I had a real long conversation with a friend of mine who's about as left as you can get, you know, mm-hmm. without actually being like a Leninist. You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> this guy thinks like, you know, Bernie's great and AOC has it right. I mean, he's really left. And I think it's a credit to both of us that we're still friends. <laughs> like, we, don't, we don't let politics get in the way of the fact that I just like the guy. Anyway, one of the things we talked about is the fact that how ridiculous is it that 97% of our drugs are made in China, right? So from a certain perspective, you know, we can make the argument we need national health. Like, sure, I'm, I'm open to it. You know, that's, that's fine. On the other side of things, though, it's like it turns out it's one thing to have the Apple iPhone made in China. Because none of us actually need the iPhone to survive, right? Despite what my kids might think. We all need drugs to survive, right? We need food. So there are certain things that absolutely have to be made here. The iPhone and drugs are made in China for the same reason though, bro. Correct. Because of low labor costs, right? Yeah. It's cheaper. Absolutely. But you know what? There there are levers. But there are levers that can be pulled, right? Yeah. So where I'm saying like the divergence, and this is kind of the real policy wonk discussion that's happening is a lot of folks are kind of like, you know, maybe there is a point to tariffs. So consider like, you know, my personal take for years and years, for decades has been I'm like a Milton Friedman, you know, libertarian on that front. It's like no tariffs, free trade benefits everybody, you know, so on and so forth. But even I have to sit back and go, yeah, that's true. But maybe drugs and like oil and, you know, nuclear weapons should not be outsourced. You know, like maybe we need to make that stuff ourselves. Like there are certain things that we don't really want other countries making, whether that's China or Canada or Mexico or or anybody, you know, like we might need to make that stuff here just because these are things that none of us can live without, right? And then on the flip side, I'm sure there are a lot of folks who are now wondering like, you know, if, if people can't go to work, if we have this type of, you know, quarantine pandemic situation, you know, is there something more than just this crazy fucked up healthcare system we've got going on? And I'm like, hey, that is a conversation worth having, right? Yeah, I mean, that that can go towards, maybe this is back in the day with, a, I'm kind of conflating things with mm-hmm. the, the previous crisis, yeah. the financial crisis back in 08, but that we owe the Chinese a ton of money. And if yeah. they would have called in that debt at the yeah. time, yeah. I mean, so it's not, it's not just goods and services. I mean- yeah. It's, you know, it's money. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. I mean, money's real estate, right? So th- yeah. that all is very connected there for sure. Yeah. I mean, when this first started peeping on this, like coming on the scene, there was first, like very first, you know, sort of mention of like the Wuhan virus and, you know, China and so on. I remember one of my thoughts, and I remember writing this on my uh, weekly uh, quick takes email to my uh, subscribers, was if China needs to go and spend like, couple trillion dollars, right, to solve their problems. It has nothing to do with us. They just need to build hospitals and quarantine people. You know what I mean? Like they just need to deal with it them, you know, themselves. Well, no, hold on. It's not, it is our problem. Well, so that one of the things I said was, what happens when the China says, yeah, you know what? Uh, we can't be buying U.S. treasuries anymore. You know, we had, or we need to cash in these treasuries. We need to sell them because we need the money, right? We need, we need to build hospitals. We need to whatever. You know, what does that do? And because yeah. one of the things I would do is the U.S. has to raise rates, 
You know, like you don't have a choice. Like, and what? So it's nice that we're the world's reserve currency, and the Fed could cut rates. You know, in the midst of this, I mean, that's cool. But you know, what happens when because of the rest of the world? You know, again, think about Italy. They just locked down the entire country, right? Yeah. Like the whole country is locked down. If they start saying, "Yeah, you know, right now we need the money to deal with this pandemic," and the U.S. has no choice but to raise rates. Or worse still, the bond auction fails. Like there are no takers for our treasury bonds. That's a real bad place to end up, right? So, and I mentioned that because again, look, you and I could, I'm happy to have the prepper conversation with you. But if we're going to try and kind of limit our focus of the discussion to real estate, one of the things I'll be most concerned about is right now we're at this like super low 50-year low interest rates. And I feel like we're blessed to, to have the world's reserve currency. And no matter what is happening here, it's better than what's happening everywhere else. So when shit like this pops up, the investors around the world want to be in US. You know, they want to be in American dollars. They want to be in US treasuries. So we have the luxury of of doing stuff like this. You know, if this goes on for a lot longer and these other sovereign nations, these other sort of foreign investors feel like, hey, we need the money to, to deal with our own problems, you know, we could we could see that reversing and rather quickly. So what happens if in the midst of all this coronavirus, whatever, you know, rates double, right? Because the federal government is like, we have to sell these bonds if we're going to keep operating. We know we're operating when we have been operating in a deficit for 30 years, right? I mean, for, for basically as long as I've been an adult, you know, what happens? So it, there's all sorts of unpredictable things that come out, I think, from something like this. But as yet, what I'm sort of trying to do is say, all right, Let's not assume like end of the world, you know, black swan type situation. Let's just assume we're we're going to have some slowdown. It's gonna be it's gonna be maybe a little painful, but not, you know, existential, right? And uh, what does that mean? You know, what does that look like? Like I said, my my biggest concern right now, where I sit right now, is there are a whole lot of companies, you know, a whole lot of agents in our in in this space who can't take the hit, you know. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, 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 of course, yeah. they're commission-only salespeople. Yeah, they're financially not healthy, right? So yeah. something like this would affect them the way that the coronavirus would affect somebody who is 85 and has uh, respiratory problems. You know, if you get infected, yeah, you're going to have a real rough time because you're not healthy. And fact is, a lot of the brokerages, you know, in the individual agents, they're not financially healthy. So no. when you talk about this will reveal the cracks... I mean, we might see that, right? We might we might see a bunch of people saying, "Yeah, you know, I need to, I, I can't keep doing this." Might see a lot of brokerages say just closing their doors, right, or merging with someone else, or or whatever, which then kind of you know creates opportunities for other people. You know, it creates opportunities for companies like a Realogy. You know, the NRT might be like, "Hell, you know, let's go back to uh, doing these little tuck-ins because a lot of brokerages are just going to be going out of business." Yeah, no, there's there's going to be opportunity as well sometimes here, but um, yeah, but that again, that's domino effect. If they can't, you know, if they're not bringing in a lot of money, then correct, they're not maybe paying their MLS dues. They're not buying correct. cloud CMA. They're not that's buying, right. you know, all these other kind of you know things, right? So that's it, right. It, all the stuff is can kind of factor into everybody out there. Right? That's right. Um, that's and right. you're going to see the same thing that she said might happen with agents and brokerages. That happened to vendors, right? Um, yeah. Some of, as I said, some of these vendors are living pay invoice to invoice, if you want to call it. Absolutely. Know, right. Yeah. And yeah, that's we'll the, that's the problem. By the way, by yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, the problem with economic recession, you know, is it's the exact opposite of growth, right? And a lot of the lot of economics is really just human psychology. You know, do you feel hopeful? Do you feel good about mm-hmm. the future? You know, do you do you want to invest because you feel like, yeah, I feel positive, or do you want to retrench, right? And you know, it's like hold on to what you got. Uh, and that's that's I think one of the problems with something like this pandemic that none of us actually know what the hell's going on. You know, I think the natural response of most people. And I'm not exempting myself from this. You know, most people are going to be okay. Well, you know, given this, let's be let's be cautious, right? Let's be a little conservative. Exactly at a point where what we actually need are people to be all exuberant and be like, hey, you know what? No problem. Let's you know, it's a great buying opportunity. Let's go snap up a bunch of bargains. So we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see. But for a housing standpoint, yeah, I I do worry about some of the vendors. You know, and one of the things that I would be worried about is if you're a venture backed company. You know, mm. there's no guarantee that your VC is going to, you know, be solvent. <laughs> because, you know, I have some personal experience with that. Like, that's what happened to my startup after 9-11, right? Like, we had this uh, investor, this VC firm who was, who was backing us. They didn't know whether they were going to be around after 9-11, right? So, yeah, I mean, you're seeing evidence of that already. I mean, uh, yeah. recently, Remind was in the news and they had to lay off them like 38 people, right? And, you know, yeah. they're venture backed. So you can kind of like, you know, I don't have any inside knowledge here, but yeah. uh, you've been reading in all the things like the VCs are going to say to people like, listen, um, you're, and this this happened back in the day too. It's like, you got to get profitable or, yeah. or have some sort of, you know, show me something where there's a, a road ahead here, right? Right. A path um, to profitability as the yeah, Or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. But here's the thing. Like I said, I am capable of getting as dark as more than most, right? I'm very capable of writing, you know, sort of a disaster fiction if I if I wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. But when I think about it, it's like, you know, having said that, you know, there are a lot of folks who feel like this is sort of a media-driven hype and, you know, media-driven panic because this that's how they get their clicks and views. Uh, I don't, and the way I look at it, I don't actually know because that requires you to be an infectious disease expert, right? To know whether this is, but the fundamentals of the economy, at least our economy, is pretty strong, right? And over the long run, I could see the fundamentals improving because companies will realize like that cheap labor in China doesn't matter if those workers don't show up to yeah. work. Yeah, right? we got to level set some things. I mean, this is yeah. maybe brought us to kind of open our eyes a bit to different yeah. things and we can, we can adjust for the yeah. future for sure. I like yeah. that. And I think what that then is like, if those companies make it through this and they want to survive, they're going to have to think about, we may have to move some of this manufacturing back here so we don't deal with this disruption. So, you know, which then yeah, adds it, to our economy, right? Which yeah. makes things better for us. You know, uh, maybe it results in a slightly better allocation. And then here's a here's a grim thought. Like I posted, the, you know, my thing about, you know, the virus and whatever. And this agent commented on Facebook, and he raised something that I – like my mind didn't even go there and I think I'm a pretty grim guy. And one of the things he said was we might see inventory problems ease up because there might be a whole bunch of people who are no longer with us. Oh, God. The, the damn the, – the silver tsunami just got a kickstart. Right? Shit. And I'm like, holy shit. shit. Like that's really grim. That's dark. And I, it's really dark. I mean my my parents are over – like I don't want to think like that. Yeah. At the same time, he's not wrong, Right. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, one estimate I saw, and again, I, I don't, yeah, I don't even know if I want to say this, but I mean, it's like, I think 48 
480,000 dead. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think I saw that from one of those disease control specialists as a prediction. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you know that those are going to be more elderly if, if, right. if, if, if the thing works out. I mean, yeah. Right. And yeah, again, like, no, we don't want anybody to get sick. I don't want anyone to die, but he's not wrong. You know, yeah. if, if the death rate is like, I can't remember what the number is, but it's, it's like 24% or something if you're over 85. Yeah. You know, hey man, well, I live in Las Vegas, right? Yeah. There are a yeah. lot of 85 year olds here, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, and that brings up a little another thing. It's like, and these numbers and as and and as how people look at this, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to somebody who gave me a call, and and they were they were noticing the same thing about generationally, and and yeah. I mean how we've got about 40 people, 43, 42 people here at, at WNR studios. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's, it's more of a younger crew. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the observation was, you know, you got the younger people going, Oh, it looks like, you know, well, you got the 35s and forties, they're freaked out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you got the younger millennials and everything. And they're going like, Ooh, I wonder if I can get cheap airfare right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. You know, and the answer is yes, right? So yeah. I, you know, I just met with Flackner last night because I refused uh-huh. to be, you know, I refused to kind of let fear rule my life. So I met with Andrew. We had dinner, and he told me that he he found a flight from San Francisco to LA for twenty dollars. Yeah, it's like it costs more to Uber to the airport than to fly from San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, to LA. No. I mean, so yeah, I, look, we're, they're going to be incredible bargains. They're going to be all of those things because these companies are going to try and sell things. I could easily imagine a scenario where sellers, you know, might be also a little bit freaked out and they're spooked and saying, you know, let's get let's get something while we while we can and you know start dropping prices, right? I mean, I could easily see that. Um, and if we could get the if you're in real estate and you're a realtor, you if get. I could this? just get. Yeah, well, yeah, I think you do. But what I was going to say is, I just saw something on Twitter. It was a, a a realtor kind of like advertising a house as your perfect COVID hideaway in Manhattan. Right, right. right. This is not a fucking marketing opportunity, guys. No, no. Please. But you know what? I I, I hope he was trying to have fun with it, right? I I don't know. I clicked on the link and it it went to a website. So, you know. But, you know, like like we started off this this podcast, like we have to try and joke about this. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm not taking anything that people post or say – you know, and start jumping down their throats because I, I would do the same thing. Like if we like if we weren't going to try and kind of find some dark humor in some of this, man, we'd all be freaked out and be holed up in a cabin, you know, with uh, assault rifles. Like, you know, so let's try and kind of keep our heads about this. But so as it comes to housing, I feel like nobody really knows. You know, what my sense is, I think we're going to see slight retreat from first time home buyers. We might see the overall market kind of being super nervous, but that could go either way. I think the elites are going to have some fantastic opportunities, especially if the Fed can keep the rates low. Over the longer term, I mean, I think this does end up kind of washing out some of the financially unhealthy companies that are out there. They might have a tough time making it through this. And then what that means then is that whoever makes it through this are going to be stronger, right? Because there's less competition. You know they'll have acquired a bunch of a uh, bunch of competitors or whatever, recruited a lot of agents away from other people. You know who knows, right? Who knows? So it, in the long run, and I say long run, like after this this crisis, in the long passed, run, it happened. It, it, what's going to happen is what always happens: the rich get richer, the rich will get richer. There's absolutely <laughs> no, no, no doubt about it. You know, but oh, here's the thing: 
at the same time, I do think that a mass sort of sociological, psychological impact like this can't help but have some sort of impact. Do you know what I mean? Like just in society as a whole. And you kind of touched on this earlier. You know, does it lead to, you know, people like me saying, you know, maybe some elements of nationalized healthcare is not a terrible thing, right? Does it make, you know, a bunch of liberals like my buddy think, yeah, yeah, you know, it might be okay for me to go buy a gun because we had that conversation. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you've got plenty. Why don't you just give one to me? Well, it's against the law because <laughs> you're in another state. Right? <laughs> I'm driving I, over there now, man. It's... <laughs> and, and as a responsible owner, you know, I need to make sure you know what the hell you're doing. Like you've been trained, you know. But no you know, idea. it's it's things like no that. Clue. So, I, I, I think I think people. It's sort of like you said, level sets kind yeah. of their expectations, right? And, and it's in un- unpredictable ways, right? I, I do think there's a lot of just fear and f- uncer- fear, uncertainty, doubt, and panic going on. You know, whatever. And people lose their minds. And it does r- kind of raise one final thing, right? My final thought on this is, you know, you and I have kind of joked about this, that, you know, I've, I, I'm not a prepper, but I've kind of been semi-prepping since I moved to Houston. <laughs> Right. And no, seriously, because when I moved to Houston, one of the very first things I thought about moving there from Jersey, like I don't ever remember having to deal with hurricanes. Well, if you live in Mm -hmm. Houston, you talk about, you think about hurricanes every single year, right? Right. Hurricane season, hurricane season. And you never know. So yeah, you start thinking like, yeah, you know, I need to, I need to do a little bit of prepping, right? I don't need an underground bunker, but I need some water, right? (laughs) You know, I need some some dry foods. I need, you know, I need to have something so I could go three days without power, you know, three weeks without, you know, without going to the grocery store, you know, like you start doing a little bit of that. Right. Right. And I've used that analogy, you know, in the past year or so talking about uh, how even companies need to embrace a little bit of that prepper mentality. And, you know, Nicholas Nassim Taleb, you know, who's one of my favorite authors, you know, when he talks about Black Swan, right, or his book Anti-Fragile, the stuff that he raises, he talks about, and I think it's absolutely right. What he's saying is none of us can really assess risk because the biggest risks come from these unexpected events. Like right. when, when anybody was doing strap planning, right, <laughs> when CAR was doing strap planning, when NAR was doing their strap planning, when, you know, Realogy or Zillow or anybody was like, you know, sitting down last year going, hey, so what's our strategy for 2020? Nobody, nobody thought about some global pandemic, right? <laughs> nobody, because you can't. And if it wasn't this, it would have been something else that's completely out of the blue, unforeseen. And the point that he, you know, that Taleb makes is you just need to have certain things in place where you could adjust, right? You could respond and react and be prepared for anything that could happen. So from that standpoint, uh, Hopefully what this episode, you know, does for a lot of folks is it's not necessarily about like some specific program or initiative or strategy or this thing that you're going to do. It's more about like how adaptable are you, right? You know, what sort of resources do you have where you could something unexpected happens and you could kind of, you know, make your way through that, right? Uh, those types of things. And I, I do think what we'll see when it's all said and done is – those companies that are better at adapting, that have a little bit of resources, you know, that, that prepped a little bit, the contingency planning, that type of stuff, I think those guys will actually emerge from this way stronger. 
And I think some companies that maybe didn't really think about that, they were like, ah, that'll never happen or, you know, whatever. I think those guys are going to be in trouble. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think, I mean, I think, I think there's, and I think we should feel a little bit lucky being in real estate than more. I mean, and again, mm-hmm. it's not, nothing's perfect or nothing's guaranteed, but um, it's going to affect a lot more industries worse than us. And we should, you know, no think about that as well. No question. So I don't know. So for any listeners, I mean, if you want to share, you know, your stories of how you're coping with it, I think we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Though, so it's not a fun one. I don't know that I would call this a fun podcast. But I mean, Greg, what advice do you have for our listeners as you know, they're kind of living through the same thing we're living through? Yeah. I, and again, this is what I had a, you know, kind of a, an all hands with my directors this morning. And I, this is what I told them. I mean, events like this can be opportunities as well, right? It can separate yeah. companies, teams, and individuals that can rise above adversity and get stronger from those, uh, from those companies and teams and individuals that are more show than substance, right? So right. I've told everybody, you know, if, we, if we're not going to go travel and do and, and do these things on the other thing, let's focus inward. Let's make our processes better here. Let's focus on, you know, internal things than having to go so much external, right? So yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the end of this as being a better company. And like you said, uh, I, I didn't have this knowledge before. I have this knowledge now that I can, I can be better for the future, right? So yeah, yeah that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. I think the only advice I would offer to listeners is it, nobody knows, right? So try not to panic. Right? And uh, the thing that if you feel like you don't have the type of contingency planning in place, then you know you want to really work on that. Uh, other than that, wash your hands <laughs> a lot, often with soap, and um, stay healthy. You know that's that's the at the end of the day that is the most important thing. And and um, and we are. I think this is a cliche now. They've been saying this, but hey, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. And oh, and if you are sort of a high risk, I mean, really you know, be careful because nobody actually knows how this thing plays out. If you're not high risk, then maybe think about you know different ways that we might help those people. You know, help people in our community who are high risk. So we'll see what happens. But here's to hoping that we'll all keep a cool head, uh, that we'll all be smart but not uh, freaked out and not panicked, and that the entire country and the entire world will kind of be that way as well, and we'll make it through this. Absolutely. Uh, All right. Be safe, everybody. Be safe, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye.